and we're in the studio again. Samuel, you and I? Yes, we are indeed, and it's always exciting it's to be together on this Sunday. It is, and uh, we've got our wingman here, Mr. Stanton, is making sure that everything is working and that we're all pushing the right buttons. So no, he's, it's really good. he's the person whose eyes, when they look at you, like, am I doing the right thing or not? So <laughs> we're dealing with having the boss sitting in the office. Huh? Yeah, it's, it's very good. All right, so you're listening to uh, um, our 12.30 program from A Reasonable Christianity, and you're with Samuel Chizichetti and Alida Robinson. Um, and Samuel, last week we started a discussion around the topic of end of life. Yes. Specifically, you were looking at taking one's own life. We looked at three ways that this can happen. Yes. So we had unassisted suicide, mm-hmm. which is when a person takes their own life. Mm-hmm. Assisted suicide, when a doctor provides a person with the means to take their own life, yep. either at home or in a hospital, mm-hmm. and that person administers that themselves. Mm-hmm. And the other one, third one, was euthanasia, where a person dies after a doctor has administered a drug so that the person passes away. Yes. You started with outlining how we perceive the value of life. Yep. One is through the lens of culture, how beautiful, rich, talented and so on we are, even to the point of how many followers, friends, likes we might have on social media. Yes. You described this as instrumental value. Yes. The second is what the Bible teaches about the value of human life. Mm. We were made by God, the creator of the universe, in his image, and he breathed life into man. Jesus, the son of God, came to earth as a man to die, paying the price for our redemption. Mm. He did not do this for the animals, but for mankind whom he created. He created the animals as well, but Mm. it was for mankind that he did this. This you called our intrinsic value. Mm. The statistics around suicide are heartbreaking. Mm. I think we can all acknowledge that. They show us that we have lost our sense of value. What do you see is needed for people to understand how valuable they are and not see suicide as an option, therefore preventing this very sad practice of taking one's own life? Thank you. Um, uh, Thank you for, um, you know, it's such a, a beautiful summary of the things that we've already covered. And as I said that, you know, uh, we get all sorts of all sorts of questions, and some questions you ha- you answer them with a heavy heart. You, because uh, you know the the impact and the effect of uh, you know the, the the question itself and what is involved is is a very serious matter. Mm-hmm. And, and so you know, I started last Sunday saying that I'll be answering this question not just simply like a theologian or an apologist, but but also as a pastor. So it's needed a lot of a pastoral. Uh, approach to the question, but it doesn't mean that we take away, you know, accuracy of of Christian theology, and also a great degree of the defense uh, of the gospel and the Christian worldview, which is what we call apologetics. Day now, um, so in um, in in looking at what we we said last time, uh, you know. You've highlighted something quite significantly important there, uh, which is that everybody recognized, at least, you know, going from the definitions you provided, uh, that when we say unassisted, it means when when somebody decides to take their own life in either privacy of their own uh, home or, you know, in one way or the other, 
you know, in a way that they, they just live and not, and people didn't see that coming, and so on and so forth. So that's what you know you clarified it is called unassisted, so that people see the difference between assisted and and and, and um, the ordinary taking of one's own life. Now, we we've come a long way to differentiate. You know, because life is ending and it leaves all sorts of consequences. We said last time that for every every once when somebody takes a life, 135 people on average get affected by that. From friends, family, healthcare workers, you know, you know, social workers, people who you know, in in our society broadly will get affected by that. So there are and and it's it's a people who are dealing with uh, an issue of someone has been taken their own life, family member or friends. They deal with it in a, in a, such a lonely uh, place. It's it's isolating. Uh, and, you know, they suffer in silence, and we can't go ahead with this without starting by highlighting that there is help you need if you are you know struggling with the impact of having a friend or a family member who haven't taken their life. You need to seek help. It's it's, it's extremely important, and so seek help there. Uh, and, uh, and that that would be advantageous. But let me sort of deal with, because it is life, it's ending, everybody agrees it's tragic for life to end like that. And so it's because everybody recognizes life is valuable. But then, you know, what exactly kind of value are we talking about? So we established the instrumental value, which is actually generally the way our culture operates now, and we establish intrinsic value, which you made uh, the summary so beautifully. But as I was finishing, I, I, I reflected on my, my answer. I'm like, okay, I could go all out, all passionate about the fact that we made in the image of God. And somebody can just simply offhand say, but that's your Christian belief. Yeah. All right? That's your Christian belief. I'm not a Christian, so I don't believe in that. And so I thought, okay, how can I help someone see that when we espouse certain ideas about certain things, some ideas are more true than others, and some ideas are a lot more beneficial than others, some are more advantageous than others, and some are actually not so advantageous whatsoever. Is it that the idea of having an intrinsic value, is it just a Christian idea, or is it a true idea? Why would somebody prefer instrumental value over intrinsic value, mm. all right? And that's, I want us to start there, because we can't talk about these tragic uh, you know, situations that happens without focusing on the prevention. And so the, the way to prevent is to start by the way we think about life and see which way is the best way to think about life. Now, I'm sure that as I was explaining last Sunday, most people would agree with the proposition I gave which was that, of course, human beings are valuable not because of how much money they have. Human beings are valuable not because of how many people follow them on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. Human beings are valuable not because they have blonde hair and blue eye or dark skin and dark hair like me, all right? or tall and skinny and slender, or what is the size of their weight. It's, that's not what confer human beings. Generally, even in our very culture, people understand this. Why? It's because there is the remnant of what made this society. So the Christian message builds our culture. Mm. And slowly, slowly, we start to move away from that thinking of the Christian 
worldview. So when we start to see the consequence of our thinking, then we're like, oh, well, you know, well, of course, some particular type of thinking will produce some particular type of reaction or behavior, if you will. I think that it is self-evident. Like the American Constitution would say, we take this truth to be self-evident. That all men and women, of course, were created equal and endowed by the creator of certain inalienable rights. Hmm. The, you know, human, human, um, UN uh, Charter start the same way. All human were created equal. And so we must, by looking at that, say, this proposition is true. We can't say, oh, human beings are valuable just based on what is the economic value and so on and so forth. So our cultural idea is false. Like, it is obviously false. The way you know it is somebody can talk the talk. It's when it comes to walk the walk. Sometimes somebody might say, well, look, okay, well, I don't care. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll consider somebody just based on how much money they have. Or you might say, no, I don't really believe that I consider people based on how much money they have until somebody who's less fortunate, who's probably dirty and stinky, is on the street and shows up in a place where you somehow... You know, it's flash and you're eating your nice meals and you go, Ooh, well, you don't belong here. Mm. All right. So people can talk the talk now. Some people are still holding on to the Christian worldview just in words. But their value system in every other day life doesn't look like it. Mm. I was, for example, saying that the rate of teenage suicide ideation and the rate of depression in the West is going through the roof. In the last 20 years. Right. Seriously. Yeah. Actually, it's the last 30, 20 to 30 years, gone through the roof. Yet, we seem to be the most connected, at least social media. And it's Actually, there is even recognition that social media itself has become quite an issue, whether it is TikTok or it is Facebook or Instagram, because people measure themselves by that. I look at that person's got more friends than me. You know, people laugh at their jokes more than they laugh at mine. And I, I did actually say, if, if you remember last Sunday, I don't know if I did point this out, but most of our cultural icons who actually ended up taking their own lives, mm. the greatest fear they had was because of their instrumental value. Think of somebody like Elvis Presley. The greatest fear that Elvis Presley lived with was, what if one day my fans no longer want to hear from me. Mm. They don't like me anymore. Guess what Michael Jackson's fear was? Because his worth and his value was how he's appreciated by his fans. Mm. You know, I remi I'm reminded of the most... Oh, the mo uh, 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 anyone knows um, uh, the uh, Robin William? Real Robin yeah. William. Yeah, Robin the Robin funniest Robin of all people. Like There was nobody so funny like him. At least in my view, they probably others who were funnier. But do you, if you hear him talk about his condition, is that he was funny to be liked, mm. and so he actually acted that out to attract some value, and everybody celebrated him. But when he sat deep within himself, he struggled with depression. He struggled with the fact that he wasn't really liked as a person. He was liked for the fact that he was funny. And the last one is, you know, there's the, the you know, beautiful, popular Whitney Houston, who we are the, I, I'm reminded of, of her last concert 
was in 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 Sydney, um, and they had organised um, for her to to do some of her classics, and she was going to do uh, "I Will Always Love You." And and as as she started, she wanted to hit those high notes, and she couldn't get there. The crowd booed. Mm. It was horrific. Mm. Was on all medias, all the morning, you know, you know uh, morning talks on TV. And guess what happened after that? So what I'm trying to say is, we have taken a very dangerous path of instrumental value. That is bringing the consequence of what we're seeing. So I, I cannot emphasize this enough. Now, somebody can say, well, I'm going to change and espouse a Christian worldview. But the Christian worldview does go with Christ. It doesn't go without just as I see people are going. Oh, I like Christianity and its values, but I don't want to be a Christian. And so, what I'm trying to propose to you today, I'm going to be unashamedly. I want to put it on the table. The Christian worldview doesn't get espoused as a, a set of vacuous idea. The Christian worldview is Christ, and when it is espoused in our heart and properly understood and grown into then we can change the way we think. That's how it started. From the Roman Empire that basically dominated the world within which we live, and seeing the change in the transformation of the Christian world, we're being preached and taught to get to us where we are. So how do we prevent this tragedy? Christ is the answer first. Mm. Yes. Christ is the answer. I want to start there. Okay. Mm. Well, we're going to listen to Jaden Lavick as he sings, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. To follow Jesus I have decided To follow Jesus No turning back No turning back
We've decided to follow Jesus and there is no turning back, is there, Samuel? No, exactly not. So we're talking about the value of life. You are going to expand on that a little more. So now you notice here that I was saying that the Christian worldview is not just simply a set of ideas that somebody can espouse. I've actually, I talk to people from all walks of life, even politicians say, well, I love the Christian worldview, the freedoms, the economics, and but uh, following Jesus, no. Uh, going to church, no, I'm not a religious person, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, if you're listening to me, I just, I just want to say it's a contradiction in terms. Christian worldview is Christ. <laughs> the value of what he taught emanated from him. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the person who espouses just the ideas will will find themselves committed to those ideas so far as, number one, they just like the ideas, or so far as it makes them achieve some goal. It could be being liked or political goal. I've seen politicians who espouse the Christian worldview just because it's going to get them some votes. So in a way, a society moves away and the majority of people start to believe in instrumental value. Those politicians find themselves in laws like, you know, euthanasia laws or assisted dying laws. And even people who otherwise would have been, you know, on the side of sort of, you know, conserving values will go, well, but if I vote otherwise, I'm going to lose something of value to me, which is uh, politically. And so it, it sort of brings about an inconsistency because it's not something that is an element of personal persuasion. So if Christ lives in your heart and you're persuaded that there is no other way but him, then what he teaches is not something we pick and choose. It is what we are committed to. It becomes an element of conviction and persuasion there. So there are two ways here. Mm -hmm. Either somebody who is with Christ and believes in what Christ says about human value and human worth, or they are with culture and believe what the culture says about human worth and human value. Mm -hmm. Now, they can hold on to what Christ says without Christ, and when pressure hits, they will let go. The interesting thing about that, though, is that Christ's value is sta- like it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes. Yet culture will change depending exactly. on who's thinking what. You've nailed it right there. Mm. This is why even the intrinsic value is constant. It mm. doesn't change. It doesn't change even if thousands and millions of people chucked you out. I've seen people who, you know, you, you even when people have committed... You know, let's say they've committed sin or they've, 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 uh, they've made a, a, a grave mistake and they fall from grace, as yeah. we call it in our culture today. And then they start to feel like, okay, well, they're no, love, no longer loved or liked. Therefore, life is not worth living. They want to take their own life. It ha- that's what happened to me. But you see, the value of Christ doesn't depend on whether you sinned, whether you committed grave. Even if millions of people chucked you out, you're no longer favorite, and they boo at you. Christ still says, hey, you are intrinsically worthy and valuable. I did give you this value when I made you. And in my eyes, you still have the same value. Yeah. And so what basically frustrates me the most is that many people in our culture today don't, even those who go to church, don't understand the Christian worldview, and let alone those who are actually outside the church, who have absolutely given a wide berth to the Christian worldview, even if you want to say, okay, well, I know you have general ideas. Let me sit down with you. I want to show you what the Christian worldview is. No, I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. And so it just becomes so prejudicial, prejudicial. Now, you see... When people have got instrumental value, 
It's that the value is not in themselves. The value is in something else. They are a mean to an end. For example, the fans love the music and da-da-da-da. So the singer is a mean to that end. If he no longer sings that music, he's discarded, mm. right? Uh, if, let's say, Whitney Houston, she couldn't hit those high notes anymore. Or guess what? She's no longer valuable. So let's boo her. Let's make her feel... Whereas in, in God's eyes, it doesn't matter whether it's the sound of your voice, whether you've lost your limbs, or you even if you lost your mind, you're still valuable. Right. Yeah. In the eyes of God. I can't assist this enough. I, it's the, the place of a, a good society is its theology. Theology is the ground of every society. What you believe about God determines what you believe about economics and politics and everything else. Mm. So think about, for example, here is a very, you know, well, you know, respected, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, I was going to say theologian, no, no, university professor with a doctorate, uh, uh, you know, who's actually a medical doctor. Here's what he said to see how, you know, instrumental value works in our culture. Many people agree with this, even though when you start to dig at it, they know it is not correct. You know, he says you are trained to save life, the life of a child, but with these children, talking about children who are born with disability, who are, you know, these children, the suffering can only be stopped by ending their lives. It takes courage to do that. Mm. Where is his assumption? His assumption is that a child who is born with disability or is deformed in any way somehow cannot have a fulfilled and happy life. Or they're thinking... They're suffering, so if we take the life of the child, we are ending the suffering. Now, you assume that just because you think there is only one world, the physical world, that suffering is only this one here. Mm. Thank God for children. Uh, you know, children don't, when they get to the other side, they, they go into the hands of God. But yet, God said he's the only giver of life. No one should take any. I, I watched a, a, a little clip about, um, you know, children born with, uh, with Down syndrome. There was an entire push in the West. Things have changed a little bit, but it's still now. You they do all sorts of tests in beauty, you know, while the child is in still the in the womb. Yeah. And then the doctor sort of said, uh, look, it's better if you didn't have this child. When, when, when my wife and I, we, 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 um, you know, we were expecting our little girl, Shafara, and she went to see the, the doctor. And the doctor was first like, well, uh, how come you're expecting a child at this age? Well, what? Actually, because we're above 40, we can't expect. Yeah. And he's like, but do you know that there are other ways? Do you need that to do this test and that so that you can know in case there is some issue with the child, then you can take the, that, that other way there, you know? Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Why? Because they're thinking if a child was born, let's say, with Down syndrome, or uh, then they won't have a quality of life. Why? Because a quality of life, achieving some, uh, you know, uh, you know, some relativistically set. What? Can't go work, can't go to school like everybody, can't kick the ball. But is that all that makes human life mm, worthy exactly. yeah. and happy? Yeah. So we set these instrumental values and it becomes the big problem. That's the, the huge problem we end up having right there. And so his, his assumption is if the child is suffering, it's better to end the child's life than to let the child live. Mm. Well, then you can extrapolate from there. If an adult, if a teenager, if a grown-up, if a senior is suffering, is it better to end the life rather than... And so this is how you go toward 
to thinking about physician-assisted suicide and euthanasia. That's that's how it goes. Here is um, just give you another. It's famous Australian philosopher Peter Singer. Here's what Peter, Peter Singer says: When the death of a disabled infant will lead to the birth of another infant with better prospect of a happy life, mm. the total amount of happiness, the total amount of happiness, will be greater if the disabled infant is killed. Mm. This is our culture now. Mm. Yeah. The loss of happy life for the first infant is outweighed by the gain of a happier life for the second. Therefore, if killing the hemophiliac infant has no adverse effect on others, it would, according to the total view, be right to take this child's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is sobering. Mm. These are the most influential people, at least as a philosopher, Peterson is a very, very influential person. Yeah. So you can see how culture is moved. If you ask Christ about that, you say, anyone who does anything to these little ones will have to face me, right? Yes, yes. Let the little one come to me because the kingdom of God is for such as these. That's Christ. What is more total happiness than to celebrate that God gave a life and that we ought to care for that life, to look after that life. Because happiness is just simply, even just in simple human relation, the receiving of the love of God and the love of one's neighbor is a total, it doesn't matter whether the person would earn millions, go to work, or, so I was talking about this documentary I was watching about uh, Down, Down Syndrome children who are actually challenging this view. Yeah, because life doesn't have a price tag. Who are you to determine what it yeah. means like to have, to be happy? Yeah. And if I'm happy as I am, who are you to determine that, you know, and if you can say, but maybe your mom is not going to be happy. Well, do we go by saying that the life of another human being should be ended because of the lack of happiness in the life of another one? Mm. If I wasn't happy with my child, should I then go ahead and take their life? Can you see what I mean here? This instrumental value precept that has permeated our culture is what actually is causing this huge problem we have. So it is therefore to say that we have to think carefully about this. Here are the five things that I can say to you that are actually terrible about whether physician-assisted dying or even just flat-out euthanasia, when the physician does it. And then I'll I'll sort of return to looking at when a person takes their own life because we know it's tragic. Number one, it violates the moral principle that you shouldn't take an innocent life. Mm. The moral principle is any life that is, by innocent I mean like, if you look at the sort of value system, the sort of justice system from the Old Testament, there was the, you know, you take a life for somebody who's taken a life. So that could be defended. We no longer do that. Uh, but there are still states that still have death penalty as like in America. Uh, so that's a so totally different different conversation. Or life could be taken in a case of war. We'll talk about, you know, just war theories. Or life could be taken if there was a self-defense. You know, the amount of force being used to take your life and you could defend yourself. And those, those are the only circumstances. But any other taking of life is not justified in God's economy. No. Right? And yep. so, taking of life as physician-assisted or euthanasia takes the life of an innocent person under the pretense that they no longer have these, uh, you know, instrumental value and their total happiness. Mm has been decreased. Yeah. 
Now I can guarantee you there are times in my life where I had everything else, but one or two things happened, and then I was so anxious and understand that I had value everywhere else. Mm. Yeah. Like, it's one period in my life, I had a, a bunch of friends sort of just decided to walk away from me, right? And so, and, and I was so, so, uh, you know, affected by it. You know, it's, if you were Jesus, one day he said to, his, to his, his followers that if you don't drink my blood and eat my flesh, in other words, if you don't have higher commitment toward me, you're not my disciples. And, and guess what? The, the Bible says 70% of people in his following left him. Yes. A great number yeah. of them. Yeah. And think about it. If you were a, a, a famous musician and 70% of your followers just simply say, nah, we quit. And so you used to fill stadiums. Now you come into the stadium, you've got only 30%. Would you have the courage to continue? All right? So Jesus said that moment, did he change him? No. So here I was, and this friend had walked away from me, and I was struggling. I was on my knees and said to God, now I'm a Christian. I'm like, I can't take my own life. You do it. You take my life. I asked him. Mm. I, was in, I was in England in the middle of winter, kneeling in, actually, I was in the park. I was just walking desperate. And I knelt in, in the snow. It was freezing cold. And I said, Lord, why don't you take my life? Guess, guess what his answer was? He said to me, have you seen all the other people around you that have said faithful, committed, they love you, they look after you? He named a few of those people to me. See, I had just had a, a wrong perspective. Yes. How can we say this person is unhappy if we cannot help them? Maybe there's a better perspective. There's a way to see their life not in an empty, you know, half-empty way, but half-full, even probably more full. And so to say that the person is unhappy, therefore they should take their life, like a movie that I watched where this gentleman had just simply lost the use of his legs and his arms, and so therefore he thought he could, his life he couldn't, couldn't be. And the people who were helping him knew he was smart, he was clever, people liked it. No, he just wanted to end it. So it violates the principle of, you know, the do not take the life of an innocent. Number two, this, this, these practices treat human beings as having instrumental value, which I've talked about. Number three, they, they confirm the worst of people's fears. Now, when I watched that movie that was promoting, you know, assisted, uh, you know, uh, dying, I thought, what a, what a horrible, Melissa and I went to watch it. What a terrible thing to promote. Because mm. this guy was wealthy, he had a servant, a, a beautiful girl played the role, she was absolutely amazing in her role. And so his life was, he could have continued to live and contributed, and, 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 and if he knew Christ, his life would have been a lot more valuable even, uh, because it still is intrinsically. But he decided he was going to take it out. And the movie was meant to promote that view. Yeah, that's right. Which was absolutely terrible. Number four. Physician assisted suicide is a slippery slope. Okay. Yeah. Once you say, okay, well, the person's unhappy. Well, they, okay, well, or oh, they're in pain. Well, okay, what kind of pain are we talking? Physical, mental pain, you know, emotional pain. If somebody has said, you know, tragic event, like they've been, you know, they've had a divorce or, you know, they've lost their family, they've lost their children, should they then they go to the hospital and say, well, I'm in so much emotional and mental pain, I want to take my life. Should, should that be the case? Mm -hmm. You see, our society knows when somebody's in that situation, we want to give them help. Why? Because life is valuable. Yeah. We want them to say, it's challenging, but you can surmount this. We can help you. There's a community of people around you, people who can look after you. You can actually go through this and get to the other side and be stronger. And number last, these practices like physician-assisted suicide violates our duty as a human community. Mm. 
to look after each other. So I wanted to at least say we have a serious problem here of instrumental value that is at the very base of the the tragedies that we've talked about in terms of the statistics. Yeah. Our problem is the way we think. We have put aside Christ and is thinking about our moral intrinsic value. We've espoused our culture. We don't want to hear from him and we wonder what is happening to us. Mm. And that's that's something for our listeners to just mull over for a bit. So we'll let them mull over that yeah. for a moment. Um, we're going to listen to Rob Galea singing Gift Given. Everything I am everything to you. 
You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice. And uh, Samuel, we're um, going into the next part of what you wanted to talk about, the intrinsic value of people. So we're looking at yes. God's view yep. and, and what we should be thinking personally. I wanted, therefore, to turn to, after having uh, made uh, the pure points that I made earlier, uh, to say, if I could basically summarise it, that ideas matter. Ideas have got consequences. And I think that the way we have looked at life and the way we've looked at its value in our culture is therefore had that, I mean, it could be an intended consequence, but once you espouse an idea and you start to notice that it is having some consequence, what happens most people is they double down, try to sort of find some sort of you know, temporary fix. It's very difficult now for most people to walk away from the cultural ideas that they have espoused. So if we think, if only we had, you know, um, put this much billions of dollars, if we did, you know, there is all sorts of programs and plans that the government puts together to try and see if we can prevent. And I watch all that. I'm like, yeah, but the best prevention is to change the way we think. Mm. Yeah. And you're like, but... I'm too small to change it. No, ideas in a culture evolve from the cultural, uh, you know, influential centers. Now, when it comes to the Christian worldview, what has happened over time is that there's been an aversion. Our culture is starting to become anti-Christian worldview. It's not because, it is, I, I, I observe this all the time. Somebody will start to discuss with me about the Christian worldview. And once I start to lay down the reasonableness of it, and, and it gets to the point where, well, it, you know, it's so reasonable that only an, an, an unreasonable person would refuse. People go, well, but I'm happy as I am. Yeah. In other words, I don't want that. I don't want Jesus. I don't want his ideas. And so if one goes that way, which is our culture is gone, and I'm, I'm saying this like as somebody who's sounding the alarm. I, I have to, as a missionary, as, as, as a, a follower of Christ, in our culture today, uh, to be able to sound that alarm, that the further away we walk away from these ideas that human beings are intrinsically valuable, we will have more. There is no amount of dollars, there is no amount of projects and programs that will actually reverse the trend, because the ideas we've espoused are at the very bottom of the consequences we're facing. So my advice is therefore, you yourself, you don't have to wait for a culture to change. As an individual, choose Christ. Choose to espouse Jesus. Choose to welcome him in your heart. If you're struggling today, you might say, but I've gone to church. Look, people in the church have done thus and so to me. I understand. But we can also differentiate between people in the church and Christ himself. When I became an atheist, it was because I was offended at people in the church. And then I came to realize that, of course, those people in the church, you should ex that we should expect they'll be behaving that way. Because they're broken. Mm. People who go to church are not holy, saints, and perfect. 
They are not Jesus himself. Jesus is different from the people who go to the church. His teachings are very clear. If you open what the Bible says, and you read what it teaches, and, and, and you get to know what Christ teaches, then you can then, diff- the reason why people are upset with the people in the church, because we know what the people in the church did was wrong. Yeah. So why not have Christ? And then, if you will, have your Bible and correct the people in the church. That's why I've ended up being a theologian. I was an atheist. Well, I didn't like what people in the church did. Now I can teach them like, hey, those people didn't do what the Bible says they should do. Mm. If it is Jesus you have the issues with for what he taught, then engage him. Ask questions. Find that here we are on the program. We answer all sorts of questions. Be willing to change the way you think. If you have an idea that its, its consequences is that it's leading down a path that, you know, the result you don't like, change it. And so that, that I can't overemphasize that. If that's all I said during the program, I would have achieved what should be. And so from people who are higher up in the influence in our culture, you have to give the Christian worldview another chance. And this I'm talking to people who are friends in all places, from those who are in the street to those who are politicians. If you think you know the Christian worldview, let me sit down with you and have, ask you a few questions and see how we go. Mm. And so in that sense, we can now. Let me then move to, you say, but okay, how about those people who are already Christian who end up taking their own life too? What does God think about that? Well, the answer to why that happens is exactly the same. You see, often the Christian worldview is not a culture. Let's say it again. Jesus did not teach a culture. Jesus taught how to live on earth and how to have access to God and how to live life eternal in his kingdom. That's what he taught. He didn't teach a culture. This is why the Christian worldview is cultural transcendental. What do I mean? It transcends cultures. I can show that to you. I grew up in, in Congo. I, I, I'm not in Australia. And I can guarantee you we have very different culture over there. Yeah. But still have the Christian worldview too. Mm. I came to Australia. There's a Christian worldview here plus culture. You can put an Australian Christian here and a, a Congolese Christian. We will have different cultures, but we will believe in the same truth of what Jesus teach. Yeah. You can go to Brazil and you see the Brazilian Christian and the Aussie Christian will be different. You know, in Australia, we might be a lot more tame and a lot more, you know, we measured in our, you know. Whereas you go to Congo, the country is boisterous, is jumping up and down, is screaming their lungs out. And so you can have different cultures that way. You can find individualistic cultures and communitarian cultures. All right? So what I'm trying to say is that Jesus is not a culture. Jesus is the way to live life on earth for every culture. Yeah. What then you need to do is always make the difference between your culture and the teaching of Jesus. Mm. And this is always what the, what the difficulty is, even when I teach, especially teaching the gospel here in, in a place like in a beautiful country of ours. Because there are things that are culturally not okay to say, but the word of God or the Bible teaches that we ought to say them. So in that sense, I want therefore to emphasize here that we have to, Apostle, Paul, Apostle Peter writing in First Peter chapter 3 verse 15, it says, in your heart, reveal Christ as Lord. We have to establish that Jesus and what he teaches is true, even if sometimes our culture doesn't like it. Mm. Are you with me? Yeah. If you find yourself offended and upset to what Jesus teaches, think, am I offended because of my culture or is it because it is not true what he teaches? 
I'll give you an example. When the early Christians started, you know, in the Roman Empire at the time, they used to be do public baths. Okay, public baths. And, you know, I was in England, there's a bath, you know, the, there's a place called Bath. Bath, yeah. Yeah, where, you know, you get these really warm springs and, you know, it used to be big, massive parties. There were all sorts of, you know, even including some sexual immorality going around those places. Christians never associated with those things. Mm. And the Roman culture used to persecute them for it. Because the Romans wanted them to join in the culture. And they said, no, we're not joining in the culture. We want just to teach it. So, so, so you're shunning our culture, right? They'll ask. So they'll arrest them. They'll, they'll basically punish them. Why? Because they were not joining in the culture. And it's happening even right now in our culture. You either join in our culture or you're going to be in trouble. Mm. So why do I start this? Because I want to say to you that there's been a huge shift in our culture. There are two theological you know, thoughts on how Christians should act in a culture. Many of our people in the ministry, one want people in the ministry today, who get in the ministry so that they could be popular. How, what is the size of your church? How many people follow you? What is the quality of your music? How much light that blinks and blinks is yeah. there in your church? And these things do actually bring some Christian ministers to the brink of taking their own lives. What is the goal? You know, if I preach and preach and preach and I've got only 10 people sitting in my pews, does that mean now what I'm doing is no longer valuable? I'm no longer valuable? Especially if I sat next to somebody whose church was 25,000 people. What would be their attitude when they look at me? You know, know, church ministers get together. What's the size of your church? That's the question they ask often. And so, because even within the Christian culture, within the Christian church, people have espoused instrumental value. Yes. Yeah. Is your voice more beautiful than that or worship leader? Or did you preach the gospel and win you know, people to Christ? Or if when you preached then people didn't come to Christ, so I'm a better evangelist than you are. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. Apostle Paul says, comparing themselves with others, it's not wise. People who do that, it's totally unwise. So you're asking me, but how come even people who are Christians take their own life? The answer is the same. Mm. They have let the instrumental value Cultural understanding permeate the Christian church. Mm. A child of God is a child of God regardless. Let me, let me make that again. If a Christian thinks that they are so suffering here on earth, that they're suffering emotionally, that they ought to end their life, you, you ought to ask why. They won't tell you that God is not there, that he hasn't promised them he will be with them. But they can say, but I've got this disease that I'm suffering physically, I'm pain. But do you actually know that even our physical pain, even our me- emotional and mental pain, can, can you know, draw us near to God? Mm. I'm reminded of Apostle Paul. He had this, this sickness, or the, not sickness, he had this thorn in his flesh. Yeah. That, but there's also to debate about it. He had this thorn in the flesh, and, and, and he prayed that God would remove it. And the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is, actually, the Bible says, count it all joy when you go through all sorts of tribulation and suffering and stuff. We are in a culture that no longer see positively suffering. We avoid it as much as possible. Think about it. Even physical pain is absolutely to be avoided. Yeah. Now what do we do with our mental pain? When we go through mental traumas and, and difficult, what do we do with our emotional one? And so because of that, because we don't want the pain at all, where the Bible says, welcome it. Yeah. Grow through it. Count the joy when you go through all sorts of trials because that's what builds character. And so I want, 
Like today, I decided before, before I actually launch into the theological stuff, there is two different set of thoughts within the Christian fall about what happens if a Christian took their own life. I'm thinking to give it really good at uh, the good time. Uh, it's good if I answer that next Sunday. But today I want to say, why would a believer take their own life? It's because of suffering. Mm. What kind of suffering? Physical? Mental? Emotional? Does God say that that's what we should do? Couldn't we go to him? And he could give us a better perspective about our suffering. Think of stories like Job. Think of stories of the Christian martyrs. These people rejoiced because character mattered. Exactly. All right. We're going to listen to Steve Grace singing Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Strangely dim in the light of 
Okay, Samuel, so you're just going to wrap up what we've been talking about today in preparation for what we're going to talk about next week. So I'll let you go. So I I said earlier that we have assessed long enough now that instrumental value is a bad idea. And, you know, the way to look at life is God is the source of life. And it gives value to life. We've said that. I've also established that people can you know, espouse Christian ideas without Christ, it won't help because after some level of pressure, people will end up giving in, politicians or even regular people. I've also established that you may have to make the difference between your culture and what the Bible teaches. And if so that if there's a clash, you then need to go with what Christ teaches. And and I've established that if you're struggling with what Christ teaches, you've got to establish this because of the behavior of people in the church, or is it because you disagree with his teaching, then if it's behavior in the church, know that Christ is not the people in the church, okay? And if it is because of his teaching, engage his teaching and find out what is false about it. Don't be too cavalier or refusing to engage with the teaching of Christ. The ideas we espouse will bring us to the consequence we have. We've had a huge, you know, it's a pandemic of the question of people taking their own lives, no amount of money, dollars we put to this issue will really resolve it properly. And if we want to prevent this, we need to look at the ideas we've espoused. And that's what I've done throughout this entire program till now. So you can see what I am looking at. Now, we were asking the question of, well, people take their lives because they're in pain, the physical pain. If it's physical pain, you know, two things we can do. Number one, we can seek to be able to find you know, through the medical profession, how to alleviate our pain, physical pain, of course. and But also the other thing we've got to do is, there's a, a way to be able to start slowly, slowly engaging and handling pain. My wife told me uh, something quite interesting. When she was uh, working at the hospital, people who were coming from Japan, doc- doctors and nurses, were shocked to the amount of painkillers we in the West take. Mm. Because in Japan... What they do is they they let people have a certain level of pain so that they can be pain tolerant. Because mm. the more we try to take it all away, we become very less ton- pain tolerant. And that plus quality of life, instrumental value thinking, then pain becomes what then lets us go, I'm in too much pain, uh, therefore there's nothing that could be done about it, especially if it's nerve pain. And therefore, I should be ending my life. So we need to look at pain management, uh, but also look at pain management means decreasing the pain, but also getting used to raising our threshold in pain tolerance. Mm. What do we do with our mental pain? Our mental pain, I consequence, I want to sort of talk about this issue about mental health. It's become as though it's a negative thing or somebody's got mental illness. I don't know why. We don't say when somebody's got physical illness, that's, that's bad. But if it's mental illness, oh, that's a problem. No, our mental self can be impacted, can be injured the same way the physical self get injured. When somebody's, somebody's got mental illness, it's like we say somebody's got physical illness. Hmm. Mental illness, no, that's something bad and terrible, negative to frown upon. It just simply means that they've gone through some trauma in life that have injured them mentally. And so they need to be mentally looked after. 
So we can do that by simply, you know, looking the uh, looking after them mentally, and also they need to look at what do they think about life and their way of thinking. The same goes with emotional pain. Somebody get a hit emotionally, they'll be in pain. Most people are like, oh, I don't want people to know that I'm that emotional. What do you mean? Everybody's got emotions. Be open. Talk, 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 talk about it. Find counseling. If you're a child of God or you're a Christian, seek Christian counseling. Go see your pastor. Go see all the other elders and mature in Christ to help you be able to heal. Our goal is to, uh, to, to go toward healing physically, healing mentally, and healing emotionally. And Jesus can do all of that. Yes, he can. And so that is the gospel, so that our lives will be in Him, fulfilled in Him, a life that serves Him and brings others to Him. That is the message of the gospel. Amen. This is how you deal with the yeah. problem of pain. We don't end pain by ending life that is so precious that God has given us. No, we don't. So if you're struggling with pain, there are ways to deal with that. Reach out instead of suffering alone and ending up in a situation that might lead you to that brink there. That's the way to deal with the prevention of this particular tragedy. And I want to say that is what the gospel of Christ is. Yeah. It came so we may have life, life more abundantly. And at Life 105.1, there is a care line that you can reach out to. So if you're, um, if, if the discussion today has stirred up some emotions in you, please uh, phone 5407 2044. That's the Life FM care line, 54072044. Thank you, Samuel, for your uh, the discussion today, and we'll look forward to wrapping it up next week.